0: And physically, God gives us that because He wants us to learn a lesson. Uh, Physically, we look and find the crumbs, and I know we've taken our our, uh, toasters and dumped them up, and I've taken them in and blown all the dust, you know, all the crumbs out and, and that. But what is most important? Is it getting those crumbs out of our house? Because we spend a lot of time doing that, I'm sure. Uh, I know I have in times past put a lot of effort into cleaning the cars and you know, helping my wife and, and uh, just saying every crumb has to be out. But what's important? What, what really is important? I find that the really the, the most important thing, the thing that really counts in my life is a relationship with the Father and with Christ. That's what's most important. That relationship that I have with Christ every day. And come this time of the year, we should be extra looking. All year we should be looking at our life. But this time of the year, we should really look at that relationship that we have with Christ. Everything else, all these physical things sometimes seem to be like a chasing after wind. Sort of like in Ecclesiastes where uh, Solomon wrote, you can turn Ecclesiastes 12, verse 8, start in verse 8. God inspired Solomon as the um, king at that time to write in Ecclesiastes verse 8. He said, Vanity of vanity, said the Preacher, all is vanity. This life and the things that we generally do and the effort we put into it uh, is just striving after win. Verse 9, And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. We know that God gives us preachers today and uh, some of them Maybe they don't think they're wise. Maybe they think they're wise. Maybe they're just people. But they still are given a responsibility to teach the people, teach them knowledge. I think in this little group, we've had a tremendous blessing with the knowledge that has been handed to us. And, and sometimes I know I look at my life and say, do you really grasp how much that is to you? Yes, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many of our proverbs. The preacher taught to find out uh, acceptable words. So uh, the preacher has a responsibility to find acceptable words. Acceptable with who? With God. Sometimes it might not feel it's what I want to hear. And I can be sure of that. I can, many times I can say, Well, I don't whether I want to hear that or not. But God gives us the preacher to teach us that, you know, and to give us acceptable words. And that which was written was upright, even words of truth. So if we're reading from the Bible, we know John seventeen seventeen says all of God's word is truth. So here, we're having a responsibility to look into the scriptures, and as we come to Passover, are we looking into the scriptures? Are we spending more time searching for the crumbs in our house? These words are uh, the words of the wise are as goals and uh, as nails Fasten the master's assembly, which is given everyone. By, by one shepherd. You know, in Romans 10, it tells you that... He asked us in Romans 10, How are you going to understand? How do people know what's the truth or what's not the truth? Because God said, I'm going to send the preacher. I'm going to paraphrase. He said, I'll, I'll uh, bring a preacher. And how can that preacher come? Except God appoint him. I looked at that this morning and thought... You know, each one of us are unique. Each one of us has been called for a specific purpose. We don't always know what that purpose is. But we're here because God called us for that purpose. And my purpose and your purpose is different. I can walk around this property and see things need to be done and do it. Somebody else, they have a different purpose, a different ability. But God has sent us preachers because he selected them and of their ability, and they're unique. I, I know I can't coordinate my thoughts as good as the preacher we have here, as our pastor. But God called him and gave him that responsibility. You know, verse 12, Solomon continues to go on, and he says, "...and further by these, my son, be admonished." Of making many books, there are no end. I mean, look at the Library of Congress, how big it is, and all the books that they've got in there. There's books written and written and written. There's no end to the amount of writing that can be brought out. And of much study, a weariness of the flesh. And sometimes when we study and study and study, and we don't, we get weary from studying Maybe the wrong things. Maybe not applying the things that we study. So you can study, but you've got to live by what you study. It goes on in verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. What's the purpose? You know, I said to me the most important thing is that relationship with God. Here Solomon says, fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is my responsibility, the duty of humanity. To fear God, respect him, find out what he wants to do, what he wants you to do. And let us, uh, for this is the whole duty, the whole responsibility of every human being. So when we come to Passover... We recognize one basic factor in Passover that Christ sacrificed his life for me, for you. And not only for me and you, but he did that for all humanity. He was willing to give up creative abilities. We go to John one one and we can read in John chapter one where it says, In the beginning was the word and Go on through there and you can see where it said, all things were created by the Word. Christ was the Word. And it was created not by Him, but for Him. So He was there. He was the Creator. He was the one who spoke with all the prophets of old. He inspired those that wrote the Scriptures. And yet, He gave that up, didn't He? So we come to the Passover and we're saying I accept that sacrifice. Not only a sacrifice of giving up eternity, but giving up a physical life. And that sacrifice was the one that God the Father gave. He gave Christ for each one of us. But as we go through so often, we try to Make ourselves look good. So we go out there and God gives us, looking for the crumbs in our house. Why? Why search our house? Because we're human beings. Because we have to be encouraged to do something physical. But the encouragement is to look into our own spiritual, physical, personal life. and individual life he had to get on to the scribes and Pharisees because they like to make themselves look good. He said in Matthew 23, verse 25, he, he said, You like to clean the outside of the cup. That means you can looking good. Hey, look at me. I'm really, I walk around, I look like I'm a real, all true Christian. But he said, there's more to it. You've got to look into your heart. Look into your life and see if there's something there that doesn't look like Christ. He said it's better to clean the inside and the outside will be taken care of. A clean mind, I've heard in years past, a clean mind is a Christian mind. A clean mind is a clean heart, is one walking in the right direction. So he got on the scribes and Pharisees and said, Work on the inner part of your life. Look into your life as an individual and see where you stand. We're to find out, he wants us to have this personal relationship with him. Now we can. Find crumbs in our house but can refine crumbs in our own life. And to me, when I gave that sermon about a month or so ago, I said, you've got to look into the mirror of life, into the Bible. Look into yourself, who you are. It's easy for me to look at my wife and see her make mistakes, to look at Somebody down the road, or grocery store, or, or at the president of this country, find the mistakes he makes because they're pretty far out. You know, you can see those because I can look at him and say, "I would never do it that way," or would I? You know, maybe I would. Maybe if I had the same goals that he had—a goal of wanting to have a one-world government. One of the questions that came in to us this week was, do we believe in a conspiracy of a worldwide government? Yes, I think there is a conspiracy out there. I can't understand it. I don't understand why we have a beautiful country we have with the most power than anything else on the earth. We want to split it up, break it down to pieces, and think maybe that I will be, you know, I'm sure that those that are in power sit up there and say, well, I can be the world leader. Um, they can't take Satan's place. But won't you imagine what they, their thoughts are? They're not thinking of, them, of people. They're not thinking of their relationship with God. They're thinking about their own relationship. And will they be the leader? No, I don't think so. I see too many uh, self-appointed leaders that would take over if they had a chance. So are we looking for not only the crumbs in our life, because God gave us that purpose. It's, It's there to help us to learn a lesson if we diligently search our homes and our cars and our trucks or our workplace or wherever it is, if we diligently spend hours sometimes just digging out the little bit of crumbs, is that what we what the important part is? No, the important part is to look into our own personal life, to get that relationship with the Father. Paul wrote that, or told us that, there in First Corinthians 11, verse 28. After the Told him about the Passover and he said, let a man examine himself. Not somebody else. Look at your own life. As you go out there and dig out crumbs, look into your life. What kind of crumbs do I have? I'd hate to tell you all the crumbs I have because they're probably not crumbs, they're probably loaves. They're probably cakes. I have this past week past couple of weeks I've noticed some of the problems that I have. you know I can be a a bear, I guess at times I can put people down at times, and I've seen that that's wrong and I've tried of late to to thank people for those things to thank them for their help and to ask and not demand and it's difficult because when you have this whole background of life and you've been raised and Seventy years, of, or 75 years of doing things one way, it's hard to make the change. But it requires looking into your own personal life. You can't change me. I mean, you can get mad and upset at me, and you can find fault with me, and it probably won't be very hard to do that. But I have to come down and look into my life and say, this is what I do. Like I have these past couple of weeks. This is the things that I do. I've got to get those things changed. Those are sometimes not crumbs. They're big loaves. They're big problems that I've got to work on. So Paul said, Examine yourself and so let him eat of the bread and the wine. Take the Passover. Are you going to be worthy? Am I going to be worthy to take that Passover? Not physically. Not as a human being, but yes, as a son of God, where Christ paid that and made it possible. For he that eats and drinks unworthily, because I haven't examined myself and see how I stand with Christ, I can do it unworthily. I can fake it. I can look good on the outside, but what is the inside? In Jeremiah seventeen ten. You know, 17.9, God says the heart of humanity is evil and desperately wicked. But in 10, God says, I search the heart. I look at each individual and I have selected people knowing who they are, knowing they have problems, knowing that they've got to make a change. But yet, I call them. I call this person. This is a unique person to me. Each one of us. You know, we have a handprint, a fingerprint, an earprint, an eye print, and a footprint. When you think of the footprint, and you're looking in the sand, how many prints do you see? Do you see yours going one way, and God's going, and Christ going one way? Or do you see one set? Christ? because you're walking the same way. And it has to be an individual looking into it. We have to examine our own personal life. So he said, if we eat it and drink it unworthily, and not discerning the body, so we need to take the time. Christ was the unleavened bread. Christ was the one that taught Israel in Egypt, to put the blood on the doorpost, and their sins, their way of life, God passed over. We go to the Passover, we eat the bread, we drink the wine, we have to come and understand that Christ paid the ultimate sacrifice. Because we know, the scriptures tell us, sin and death are related. The soul that sins Ezekiel said, that soul will die. Christ made it possible that you don't die. That you'll live. That you can continue to go and do things the way he wants. So we are as we get A little over two weeks right now to Passover. We should be sitting down, yes, digging out the crumbs in our home. And every time we find a crumb... We need to sit back and say, what's in my life? What do I look like? And how is that relationship that I have with Christ and the Father, what is that relationship like? Because that's the important part. David, in Psalms 26, David writes, because he gives us an example. We can use David as an example of of what we should do and how we should do it. Psalm 26, verse 2. David said to to Christ, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. David asked God to look into his life and help him see the mistakes and to look at how he's been living his life. For your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in truth. Alright? And I look in my life and say, hey, I walk in truth. David said, this is what I've done. I can look at my life and I can see that I love you and I want to do it your way. I have not set with vain people vanity and vanity vain, people thinking they're the greatest. So I don't go out there and and deal with those people. So look at my heart. I don't do that, Father. Neither will I go in to dissemblers, those that cause cause dissension. I'm just not going to be there because I want to do it your way. So we have to sit down and analyze our life. Can we do like David? Can we ask that way? I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash my hands in innocency. So will I accomplish your altar eternal. I'll be there because I'm not, I'm striving, I'm putting my heart and effort and energy into changing my life to be more like Christ. That I may Publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell all your wondrous works. So he has a positive aspect. He's telling of everything that's fantastic, that's great, that's wonderful. Not the negative side. He's telling of the positive side. David examined himself consistently. And we understand that God said, David was a man after his own heart. Now, I'd like that God to say that about me. And I'm sure you would like that God would say that about you, too. That you're a man after God's heart, or a woman after God's heart. And so, if we look for those crumbs in our house, can we look out there and say, Hey, I want to be somebody that God wants. I want to be someone that God points out to and says, They... That person searches for me. And I'll take this out of context here in Haggai 1. But it is it fits in because here in Haggai 1 verse 5 says, Now therefore thus says the eternal host, Consider your own ways. These people were doing the wrong things. Consider your ways. Are my ways God's ways? Are my ways my ways? Do I do it? To what the mirror tells me, the Bible, the instruction book of life. God created mankind. I remember Mr. Armstrong constantly saying, "This book is the instruction book of life." It was written just like you would go out there and buy a car or anything, and you get an instruction book with it. it tells you all about it. That's what this Bible is. It tells us all that we need to know. To be a part of the kingdom of God. It helps us search out the crumbs, if we would. Again, in Second Corinthians, Paul writes, in verse 13, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, it says, Examine yourself. Again, Paul emphasizes the fact. Examine yourself whether you be in the faith. You know, Daryl started a series of sermons. Faith, hope, and love. And when I was doing this sermon I really come to understand some basic points of examples of people in the instruction book of life who fall in that category of faith, hope and love. So Paul said, Examine yourself whether you're in the faith. Prove your own selves. It's a personal, individual thing with God. That we have to look into our own life. He's offered us eternal life. Faith that God is there. The offering is eternal life. And love to do it His way. Know you not that you yourselves, how that Emmanuel of Christ is in you, except you be a reprobate. How how can you tell whether you're doing it the right way? I don't have time, most of the time, to find fault. Because I'm spending too much time faulting myself. And I don't want to be called by God a reprobate. But I do have problems. And sometimes you make mistakes and people allow it to slip. But God will eventually point it out. I can't tell you how many times in sermons... I've heard things brought out, and I'm sitting and thinking, where did Daryl see me do that? (laughs) And he didn't. But God does. And since I want God, and God loves me, because He said He corrects every person that He loves, I'm sitting there thanking God for correcting me. Because then I know you love me, and i got changes to make, and hopefully that your mercy will forgive me and help me see the right ways. So we have to take the time on a personal basis to look into our own life and compare ourselves with God. Compare ourselves with Christ. In First John 2, verse 1, it says, My little children... These things I write unto you, that you sin not. John, who really loved Christ. And no, it's one of those things that, as human beings, we have friends, but we have some friends that we seem to be closer to than others. And John and Christ, apparently, were very close. But he had that kind of love, and he writes, My little children, these things I write unto you, that you sin not. His love for the people, for the church today, was not to sin. He said, please, I love you that much. Work on your life. Look into your life and make the change. And if any man sinned, he said, but, you know, we're human. We are going to make mistakes. Hopefully, we don't Premeditate those things because there is a problem when you premeditate. Is that but if you do make a mistake, we have an advocate with the Father, Emmanuel the Christ, the righteous. He is the perpetuation for our sins, which means He's there to reconcile that sin with the Father. Psalm 32, verse 1, it's put it, Blessed is he whose sin is is uh, is is covered over. So Christ covers our sin through the sacrifice that He has. And yes, we're going to sin. But can we come and search it out and make a change? Can we find it and then get down on our knees and say, Christ... Emmanuel, forgive me, help me, change me. And he's not only the covering of our sins only, he's not only reconciling our sins. he goes on in verse two, but the sins of the whole world. Christ was willing to give up life, a creative life and everything for everybody. Not just you and me. Not just the church of God. But every human being. And this is what he's requiring for us. Are we willing to give up everything? Are we willing to make changes? Are we going to search our life and find the crumbs? Yes, we diligently search for crumbs in our house. But that's... Only a physical thing to teach us to diligently sit down, spend the time, and see where we stand with Christ. Then we can say, as he continues on, and hereby we know that we know him, verse 3, if we keep his commandments. That's the relationship. The first four tell us to love him, to love the Father. To do it His way. And then to love our fellow human beings. To put the effort out to love them. Again in Matthew 25, He tells us, If you love me this much, I will know because I will see how you treat each other. And I look at my life and say, What a character I've been. Because I have treated other people not so good. And it's just a vain thing, for the most part, thinking we, or I am better than, I think that I am better than other people. Not really. Because I go back to 1 Corinthians 1 and read that God has not called the great of the world. So, okay, I'm not great, He's not called the noble. Well, I'm not very noble. But he's chosen the weak and the base. Oh, so I can see then, this is where a category I sit in. I'm down here in the, like, I think it was Charles Dorothy years ago, said that God takes this, the bottom of the apple barrel, the, the, the scum, the worst part, and that's who he's using. Because he could teach those people if you take vanity out. Verse 4, And he, that's, he that said, I know him and keeps not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So I have to sit down and say, Nelson, what are you doing? Do you keep the commandments? Oh, okay, I don't have an idol. but um, Maybe my family or my job or my house or some things will be able to be Here in Anatol, you know, i got to be careful of those things. I haven't created images, but do I love my parents? Do I love my children? Do I love my friends, the parents in the church? So I have to say, well, maybe there's a crumb there. Or how about committing uh, theft? Do I fudge or maybe I can tell a little short story? We call it little white lies. Short stories that maybe we exaggerated on. You know. Is that a crumb? I have to ask myself these things and I sit down and I'm not perfect. I'm beginning to realize it's taken seventy five years maybe (laughs) to reach this. But God finally, you know, I'm pretty hard headed. And I'd have to make some changes doing that. So do I keep his commandments and the truth he's given. But whosoever keeps his words in him is the love of God perfected. Do I keep every word of God? Again, John seventeen, seventeen. All of God's word is truth. All of it. Not just what I wanna seem fit to me. <laughs> Then if I keep those words, then I can show God's love perfected. And it's hard sometimes. And hereby we know that we know that we are in Him. He that says he abides abides in Christ. In Him ought himself also to walk as Christ walked, to live as Christ lived. And there's a lot of crumbs there. Here and there then in my life. I don't know about you. But maybe I need to spend more diligent time looking into this Word for crumbs in my life. Because I want to be thought of as being one walking after Christ. Look Christ in Matthew 11. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Christ says, unto me, uh, come unto me. Christ says, come to me. Come to me. In, in Revelation uh, 3, the last are talking to, Revel, to the uh, Laodicean church, he says, I'm knocking on the door, open the door, and I'll come in and eat with you. But here in Matthew 11, Christ says, come to me. All you that labor are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The hope for me is eternal life, and rest from all the toil that I put in in this world. So take, upon, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, taking time to study, looking of, of who Christ is, what he's done how he's promised and he keeps his promises for i am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find and you shall find rest unto your soul for my yoke is easy and my burden is light it's just walking after christ In Romans 8, we're we're told that we have Christ in us. He said in Romans 8, verse 10, and If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. Right. The mistakes I make, they're dead. They kill me daily. But the Spirit, if if I spend that time, the Spirit of God is life because of righteousness. And so, we, like David, have to constantly ask God, search my heart. Search me. Where do I stand with you, Father? Where do I stand with Christ? But, verse 11, if the Spirit in Him that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall Also, quicken your mortal bodies and His Spirit that dwells in you. Hope. I have Christ's Spirit. That hope then says, I have a place held for me. A time of something fantastic, greater than anything I can think of on this earth. But I've got to find out. Why am I doing it right? Am I falling short? Or am I I on the mark? Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if we live through the Spirit to mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. In other words, find out what the mistakes are. Mortify. Get rid of the mistakes with the help of God. Find out where you're falling short. Change. We shall mortify the deeds of the body. You will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons and daughters of God. They are children. And we at this day and time have the opportunity to marry Christ, to be a part of the bride, to be there and to work with those that lived through the Holocaust coming, we have an opportunity to make those changes. So we are told that we should walk like Christ. We've got to search our own life. See where we stand. See what we're doing right or wrong. Again, we're told by Peter... For even here unto first Peter two twenty one, here unto are you called. You know, you're individually selected. God knows you by better than you know yourself. Because He called you, He selected you. Here and by you even here unto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us example that we should follow His steps. Peter was able to relate that to us. Individually called, individually selected, now we have to take and decide whether we're going to walk in the steps of Christ. And we can only do that by examining ourselves on a daily basis, and specifically when we go toward the Passover, really look at who you are. I say to myself, who am I? What do I need to make changes on? 1 Corinthians 11 says, Be you followers of me, Paul said. Paul understood a lot of these things too. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 said, Be you followers of me, and he gives a qualification to it, even as I also am of Christ. So Paul was following Christ. He said, Follow me as long as I follow Christ. But if I'm not following Christ and I guess you don't have to follow me. But Paul followed Christ. Paul gave up a lot. He was well educated. And he gave it up to be a preacher. And he said, Paul tells us that uh, preaching is foolishness to God, but it's for a purpose to teach us how to live God's way. So what are we to do? How do we follow Christ? By obtaining the characteristics of God. And so we look into our life and say, do I look like God? Galatians 5 gives us what the Spirit of God or what God's character is. It's love. It's happiness or joy. It's being at peace. So love, joy, peace. Long suffering. Sometimes it's difficult to suffer long, isn't it? Sometimes it's difficult to make changes in your life. Being gentle. I know I've got to work at that. Dealing with people gently. And that's what Christ did. That's His character. Do I deal gently with people? Sometimes but not always. Goodness and faith. Meekness and temperance. These are the characteristics of God. Do I go overboard in one area and not in another? So I have to examine myself, and that's the quality. He gives you something to think about. Ask yourself, how much love do I have? First Corinthians 13. How much joy! The joy that God has—the joy of singing—and you know, James, a week or so ago, we read where a true Christian sings is happy and joyous and sings with. And Darrell pointed out from those that he met with over in Africa, when they sang the hymns, it was joyously. We have that kind of joy. Are we at peace? With ourself first, with God, with each other. And that takes effort. And so I have to ask, I've got some looking in to do there. When you look into the Bible, what do you see? When you look into your life and you're standing there and you're reading the scriptures and you're saying, What do I see? Do I see Christ reading the Scriptures, or do I see me and not wanting to make a change? I've got to learn how to make those changes. The Bible is filled with examples of people that set us the right examples of how to walk and how to live. I've already told you one of David. David, a man after God's own heart. and many things in David's life. And yet, one of the things he said was, Search me, because I am going to try to do it your way. Another example is Ruth. A person, that, a woman, who was not knowing of God, really. Not until... She met up with Naomi. You have to remember that Naomi must have had a great influence on Ruth's life, Because this young woman was willing to give up everything that she had known, everything that she had, her family and everything, the gods of her family, the gods of her people, where she lived, everything she gave up. And you know, she probably didn't know it at the time. But she had hope. She had faith to do the right thing. She had hope to be a part of the family of God, and she had that kind of love that she played for Ruth, I mean for Naomi and for God. And you know what happened? She became in the line. Of David and of Christ. She gave up a lot, but she was rewarded, and she will be there in the future. Take Mary. A young woman, not married, talked to an angel and said, You're going to have a child, but I'm not married. You're going to have a child. And she was had the faith to believe that that was what was right. She had to hope for what was going to come, and she had the love for God to continue on. A tremendous example, example of a person who made changes in their life. And there are many others. We could go look at Hannah, another lady. And what she gave up. How about Esther? Hope, faith, love. But she sets us an example that by walking the way of God, doing the things that God expects, that somewhere down the line she would get a reward. Did she get a reward, maybe, by being queen? Sarah? Another lady? How about the harlot that we hear about, we just read about last week? Or two weeks ago, maybe. There's a woman that we could say was a... She didn't tell the truth. But here's another woman who was... I think it was the great-grandmother of David. So she too found herself down the line in the lineage of Christ. These are examples that are given to us. One more. Noah. You know, know, Noah lived in a time when there was all kinds of things happening in his life God came to Noah and said I can see it's an end of mankind because humanity has gone so far over the cliff that I'm going to have to wipe out humanity and Noah believed him today We're told this country is going to go down. Do we believe it? Do we believe that that is really going to happen? God told Noah to build a boat out in the middle of nowhere. There's no river or thing close by that could float the size of the boat that he was told to make. It took 120 years. Do you think Noah at any time down that line could have been discouraged? I think he could have been. 120 years is a pretty long time, you know. It don't seem long when you're 75, but it's just, you know, it would be nice to have another few years on. But Noah believed God. He had faith that God would do what he said. And God said, you build the boat... And you follow my commands and you will live. So he had hope for life. And he had love to do it. So we're coming toward the Passover. It's not very far down the line. Uh, How are you? It's not how is my... I can't say to me, Nelson, what's your wife like? Well, I can judge her and say, oh, she's doing this and this and this this this. I wouldn't do it that way. <laughs> well, it's probably a good thing that she does things she does. Because <laughs> I look out there and say, I wish I did it better that way. But how do I do? Passover's coming. The end of this age is coming. And so, not only for Passover, but I have to say, where do I stand in the relation that I have with God? What is that relation with God? Is it a personal, one-on-one relation that as I walk this walk of life, that I know God is there? Remember Peter, in the boat with the other twelve, other eleven, and it got rained and water, you know, everything was tossed and turned. And all of a sudden they looked out there and here was Christ coming, walking on the water. Now Peter said, can I come? Yeah. So he jumped out of the boat started to Christ. But then he had doubts. He began to sink. But one tremendous example that Peter had. As he was sinking, he thought, where is life? It's with Christ. And he put his hand out and said, save me, help me. So each day, as we walk this walk of life, and we stumble, we start to sink, Do we put our hand out and say, Christ, help me. Do we reach to Christ to help us? Well, that's what the examination is. Is my life look like Christ? Do I walk like Christ? Do I talk like Christ? If not, I have to sit down and say, well, what are you doing? How are you responding? Because I can't save anybody. I can't even save myself. I have to go to Christ and say, save me like David, search my heart. Look into my life. And when I'm wrong, and when I'm coming short, help. Pick me up out of the mire. Pick me up out of the the place I'm slipping to. We have a tremendous opportunity, brethren. We have been called to be kings and priests, to be in the very first of the family of God. And after us will come children in the millennium, and the white throne judgment. But we're going to be the ones that's going to be out there teaching the children. And we can't do that if we're not willing to look at ourselves. So this year at Passover, Take the time. Search your life. I mean diligently search. Just as hard, if not harder, than you would look for crumbs in your house or your car or wherever it might be. Find that leavening, that sin that's in your life. Search it out. God wants you. God called you. He knows who you are he knows your strengths he knows your weakness do you know your weakness and do you know your strength so this Sabbath this passover when you sit down there and you eat the bread and drink the wine and recognize that all the Mistakes that you make every day has now been covered. Because just like Israel killed animals to realize that sin brings death, that we can understand that my sins brought the death of Christ. So let's keep our goals set straight. Let's make the relationship with the Father and with Christ And let's move to doing it God's way.